The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Big thanks to New Day, N E U D A E, for the song Lion Kings that we're using as our intro this season. James, no article this week, but still plenty to talk about. We got updated top 20s and overall top 400. We got trades, promotions, and of course, our countdown continues with the number nine spot on our all time hip-hop album list uh last week you know i did think maybe some recency bias bled into my pick because i just re-listened to the album again but i do stand by it i think today's pick will have uh you know a lot more people will have heard it for one and just probably agree with me but first let's talk about some of these promotions you well first of all damn your heater continued that's insane run man three straight i'm gonna wait and not ask you who your next pick is yet until a little bit later, but we saw Devers come up. I know we homered either, was it today or yesterday? Got crazy power. I know they got Eduardo Nunez, but I think it's 
I think he was more so just uh, an acquisition to fill out that bench and give him some right. security around the infield. Don't think Devers is going anywhere. How do you value him the rest of the way? He just he looks like the real deal, and he and he looks like he's ready too. He just he kind of reminds me a little bit of when Manny Machado came up, uh, you know, way back that six five five years ago, something like yeah, that. It's hard to believe. Uh, where you know everyone was you know back then, I think people had kind of a less accurate gauge of when guys would get promoted. We all sort of had a feeling Devers might be up this year. So it didn't, it wasn't as shocking as when Machado got promoted, but I remember watching Machado play and just immediately thinking like, wow, this guy's, he's, he's a big leaguer. Like mm-hmm. th- this guy definitely belongs, uh, get, get the same vibe with Devers. You know, he, he just, I mean, he's got a ton of swag. I mean, he, he's been hitting the ball really hard all over the place. Uh, I, I think, I you know someone asked me on Twitter if I had to rank out of Devers Brinson just for fab bidding for this week with them both up. I I think I give the slight nod to Devers. I just think that if I were to pick one of those two guys to kind of go on a two month run and and carry some squads, I think it would be Devers Brinson. Though I mean he's he's looked really good recently too. He's got more of a, a five category type of profile where where Devers it's just the the big four category production, no speed really, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to love what you've seen from him. Obviously, too late to go get him in in most formats. I know there's some NFBC leagues where maybe he was unowned coming into this week, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting. Yeah, Brinson is interesting, but I think even with Nunez going to Boston, Devers probably has a bigger window. I mean, how how long is Brinson going to be playing regularly? I I guess there's the situation with Braun. Is Brinson kind of taking over for Phillips the rest of the way, you think? Yeah, I, I think that Braun, Brinson, Santana is their outfield of the foreseeable future with quality bench pieces that can come in and spell a guy like Braun to try to keep him as fresh as possible because it just, I mean, it does seem like he he's really breaking down at this stage in his career. He's really mm-hmm. good when he's out there, but... Uh, they have guys like Hernan Perez, and and to me, that's that's kind of the role that I see Brett Phillips in long term is is kind of a, a fourth outfielder who's a really good defender in right field, capable of playing some center field. Uh, that's that's a better role for him. I mean, Brinson's legit. I mean, he he's an everyday guy. I think he would have to really struggle to to lose that that everyday role in center field. So I I think I, I feel pretty good about both of their their roles as long as they don't completely flop over the next couple of weeks just in general how are you feeling about your brewers now that they've hit hit a skid uh, to say the least uh you know i think it's it's definitely going to be a grind um Swarzak was a nice pick i think that they you know i i think the cubs are still fairly vulnerable just i, I still don't love the starting pitching and and I think it's it's going to be a lot clearer what this race is going to look like after the trade deadline because both of those teams have been linked to pretty much every big name starting pitcher on the market uh been linked to a lot of the big relief arms on the market so if if one of them goes and gets Sonny Gray or, or Justin Verlander or Justin Wilson and the other one isn't able to get another big deal done then I think that you'll you'll see the scales either tip in the Cubs' favor or maybe 
kind of even out a little bit if the Brewers are able to make a big splash. And I'm 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 kind of all for them just being in on guys like Gray and Verlander, just because I think the A's and the Tigers are two front offices that I would be trying to pick on in trades right now. Uh, the Tigers specifically, just because I think a lot of the decisions they're making right now are payroll related and not uh, just straight baseball moves. So I think if you can take advantage of a team's desperation to unload some money, you could get a guy like Verlander without giving up uh, any of your top prospects. So, I mean, I think it's it's definitely nice that they're in a position where they can be opportunistic and buy, but they're also, you know, you'd rather them go, as a Brewers fan, I, I'm happy that they went on this, this skid now as opposed to, like, the first week of August because mm-hmm. it, it definitely kind of, um, you know, makes it a little bit more obvious that, like, this isn't a... 90 win team you know i think that they would be lucky to get to 87 88 wins and you know that that might get you in that might get the second wild card or it might even get the central yeah for sure hey dan straley's available (laughs) Uh, the marlins initially said that he was off the table which was laughable (laughs) Uh, but now they've reversed course a little bit i guess but i wish the reds would do that and uh open things up a little bit we'll see Still several days before the deadline, but we talked about Devers and Brinson. What about Derek Fisher? He was in the mix last week for your pick to come up next. You picked correctly in Devers, but Fisher was shortly behind and coming back up to the majors. Is he kind of a, a tier below those guys, or do you think at least the rest of this season he could contribute at a, a comparable level? Uh, you know, I think he's a tier below just in terms of uh, what I'd be bidding. I mean, uh, to me, Devers and Brinson are the guys that you, you shell out a lot of money for. They're the guys you're going to have to shell out a lot of money for. Uh, and I'm, I'm less confident in Fisher's playing time than I am the other two, even if he performs, like we saw him perform and then get sent right back down, even though norioki has been absolutely terrible this year. But I actually do think Fisher is up for good. If I had to bet, uh, I think that that, Carlos Correa injury really opens things up and makes it so that a guy like Marwan Gonzalez just doesn't really profile as much in the outfield anymore now that they need they need help at third base they need help at shortstop and like Aoki's just been really bad I mean you I don't see how you can justify giving him too many more starts in left field when you have World Series aspirations Derek Fisher to me I mean if you want to talk about a guy that absolutely mastered triple a like there's there's really nothing you can poke a hole in in terms of what he did uh, this year for for Fresno. So I wouldn't be surprised as as long as he's getting four or five starts a week, you know, in that ballpark in that offense. I wouldn't be surprised if he out earned Devers or Brinson the rest of the way. But I think there's a there's a bit more playing time risk there. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it on the head there with that. But I want to talk about some recent trades. I've been traveling the past two days. Unfortunately, there haven't been any blockbusters that I missed out on. But what about some of the kind of lower level trades we've seen over the past week or so? Ryan Cordell changing organizations. He's still in your top 250 at 244. Missed quite a bit of the season due to a back injury. It sounds like he may be held out until instructs. But any thoughts on Cordell or any of the other guys on the move recently? Yeah, I, so... Uh, full disclosure, like right before the pod, I, I've updated the top 400 through uh, 150. I haven't haven't finished updating it. So Cordell being in that top 250, I mean, he might stick there, but 
I wouldn't be surprised also if, if other guys just passed him and pushed him down a little bit. You know, he's he's as a Brewers fan, this is one where you just you're ecstatic about getting an impact uh bullpen arm for a guy like Cordell who really just didn't profile at all as as a guy that was ever going to get even a a chance to earn regular playing time and he was going to be a guy who I think the you know a spot on the 40-man roster might not have even been guaranteed this offseason for him so getting a piece like Swarzak for for Cordell is is great for the Brewers I think for the White Sox this is a guy that you know he's he's a pretty good athlete he's got you know maybe above average power in that park it might even you know be 20 25 homer power and he's shown at times the ability to hit for a a pretty high average i think it's a guy that 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 maybe that was as good as they could do for swarzak i and that guy is 25 right but the numbers are are impressive and that's a that's a rare i mean the white Sox are a rare team where he could actually get a legit look Mm -hmm. next year i mean they they just are really hurting for viable outfielders and you know cordell if they if they give him fairly regular playing time over over a half season i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being useful in at least al only leagues i i don't love him long term though i just he doesn't really do any any one thing well enough to to profile as a an everyday guy on a team like the white Sox with with all the talent they have on the farm and uh, not a really noteworthy trade, but a trade that went down today. Dan Jennings going to Tampa Bay for, was it Casey Gillespie? Yeah. I saw you tweeting about him earlier and saying that his stock has fallen significantly, maybe uh, the most among prospects, or near there anyway. What has kind of led to that that fall for him? Well, he's a guy that, he's one of those guys that I just, you know, I hate having to rank uh, close to the majors first baseman where the hit tool is questionable and he hasn't like you know you at least thought coming into the year well there's plus power and he's shown the ability to take a walk so maybe and and logan morrison you know what definitely didn't seem like an obstacle coming into the year so you could you could have envisioned a scenario where he got a a decent look at at first base for the rays especially if they weren't contending but you know he hasn't hit he hasn't hit for power he's just not a good athlete at all so it's it's first base dh only he really needs to hit to carry that profile the rays are a team that uh you know they would have probably ended up platooning him anyways even if he had hit a little bit i know they're they're kicking the tires on lucas duda right now i mean that would be a situation where he only played against righties uh and going to the white Sox. i mean that's it's good for gillespie's fantasy value just because he actually might get a shot now uh to dh for them next year but i he's been so bad this year that he's he's off the top 400 completely and i plugged him into the white Sox system i'm gonna pull that up i think i have him outside of their top 30 i want to say um yeah i i have him oh no i have him 28th in their system so like that's that's kind of how far he's fallen. He was a top 10 guy in the Rays system entering the year. Now he's just barely in the White Sox top 30 after that trade. Yeah, we see that, you know, year after year, guys rise and guys fall. And, you know, you don't want to write a guy off, but it doesn't, you know, career he, trajectory doesn't look great. He's old enough in the position and, you know, he's. You, I think you could 
you could definitely look at that profile and, and feel comfortable writing him off. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so let's let's get into this updated top four hundred. You got Ron Acuna number one. I guess it's Acuna. I was mm-hmm. mispronouncing it forever, but it makes sense with the accent. I don't know why. I didn't dive a little deeper and try to get that right the first time. But Ron Acuna, number one, over Moncada, who also, of course, promoted recently. Not off to a great start, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the few season-long Moncada shares I have. But Acuna, man, continuing to hit. I mean, average isn't crazy high, but 269, getting on base at a great clip. He's already got three homers in, in 14 games since moving up to AAA. Any chance whatsoever an outside shot that he gets called up this year? Because I did add him in stake league on a $0 bid a couple weeks ago, then I just dropped him because I was like, realistically, I don't see it. But is there a chance? I just don't see it because I don't see what there would be to be gained. He's 19, you know I mean? Like, the guys that come up to the big leagues before they turn 20, you, you see like one every decade maybe i mean you you see it's it's just extremely rare uh the fact that he's even keeping his head above water at all at triple a right now as a 19 year old is is amazing and he's actually been even better than that so uh i think he's got the most upside most realistic upside of any prospect in the minors right now i think his his potential is kind of right there with mancada's Mankata's in the big leagues. I think Mankata's got a, a bit more risk just because of the the swing and miss concerns and the fact that he's three years older than Acuna. So that's why I have Acuna number one overall. I mean, if you're looking for a guy that could potentially be a perennial top 10 fantasy pick in a couple of years, I think he's the best bet in the minors. And I think he's the guy that, you know, when, when, we, when I read that article every March, kind of saying you know laying out the service time issues and when guys can get called up he's going to probably be exhibit a in 2018 of like this is the date that the braves can call up acuna and gain that extra year of control yeah just given where they're at i mean he's probably deserving of a chance this year but given their situation and the the caliber of talent that this guy is i, I think it makes all the sense in the world to, to hold off but would love to, to get a glimpse, but I don't think we will. Victor Robles, number four. He's another guy that could be just the four five category monster in time. He recently got promoted to double A. It seemed like it was a long time coming. It seemed like he was he really kicked the door down. Now with Harrisburg. Now the stolen base numbers look great, but I every time I hear about his like times to first base, I feel like there may be even more room for for stolen base potential uh, at the upper levels. But in terms of power speed, is this like a 2020 guy perennially in a couple of years? Man, there, there's just so many outcomes that are possible with, with a guy with his, his tools, his physical projection. Uh, you know, our, our buddy Brent Hershey, baseball HQ, I know tweeted out a picture of uh time from home to first on him i think it was like three seven or something like that i mean that's to me that's like that's a bad time or i i know that hershey was saying there were scouts that had similar times like that's i mean that's 80 that's like beyond 80 so mm-hmm. uh i i don't know what to make of that uh but i mean I, i'm kind of with you yeah I, I think i would actually go 
you know, over a full season when he gets acclimated, he could be a 40 steel guy, especially in his, his early twenties. And he could be a 15 to 20 Homer guy that maybe eventually transitions into a, a 25 Homer type of guy. Like, you know, kind of how Andrew McCutcheon's power developed over time where he kind of came in and we were thinking, you know, 15 to 20 and then had a couple of years there where he was, he was pushing 30. I could see that happen happening with Robles's power, but the, the speed is, is great. I mean, that's, if you want to put Robles over a guy like uh, Devers, I, who I have number three, I, I totally get it just because of the speed. I mean, it's so hard to find a guy that is going to really make a huge impact in steals and help you in batting average, which he projects to do. So uh, you really can't go wrong with the top, you know, even the top six or seven guys. I mean, they're all just, they have really, really solid cases to be top five prospects. Yeah, absolutely. Now this guy, I don't think he's been a huge riser since your last update, but he's been a pretty steady, steady riser throughout the season. Fernando Tatis Jr. Excited about this kid. The numbers are really impressive. Power, speed, I mean, 17 homers, 22 steals so far this year, but does have quite a few Ks. I mean, are there any other warts in the game, or is it just about making more contact as he moves up the ladder? Yeah, it's it's just really contact, and I think when you factor in that he's he's 18, and it's not like he's about to turn 19. Like, he's 18 and a half. He won't turn 19 until January, and he's just absolutely murdering low-A pitching, and you know he's obviously a, a plus runner, so contributing on the the bases. Usually, guys like this, I feel the power. It it he might be like a eight or a ten homer guy this year, and you're like, well, down the road that more power is going to come. Like he's already getting to all of it. Like he he's got 17 home runs in 96 games. I mean, by the time he's 20, like he could be putting up 30 30 seasons in the minors with ease, and he's going to stick in the infield. I mean, there you know, there's outfield prospects for days. Like I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if he sticks at shortstop. There's a chance he does. Maybe he moves to third base. But either way, I think that's a, and another bonus to owning him is that you know that he's going to be playing in the infield. And I mean, I, I was telling somebody on Twitter a couple of days ago, like I wouldn't be surprised if Tatis was the number one prospect in the game like this time next year. I mean, he's got the, the tools are that crazy. Mm-hmm. As long as he continues to perform, you know, by the time he gets to high A double A, if he continues to have this type of contributions and in, in home runs and steals. I think you could definitely make that case. I mean, the strikeouts are, it's 25%. So that's, you can live with that for an 18 year old. I mean, it's not to the point not where I'm, I'm really dinging him a ton. You know, mm-hmm. a guy like Esteban Floreal in the Yankees system, he's putting up crazy numbers too. His strikeout rates, you know, up over 30% and he's older than a guy than Tati. So, uh, that's when you start to get a little concerned and really, you know, move a guy down just based on the strikeout risk with Tatis. I just given his age and level, I don't really see it as a, as a huge risk at this point. Yeah. I was recently talking with an owner and staff keeper one about Tatis and I think I need to revisit those talks because I need this guy on the roster. Uh, you know, I was doing pretty well at the beginning of this year, kind of advanced my timetable up, but I found myself not wanting to trade a guy like Ron Acuna or Clint Frazier. So now maybe it's time to go the other direction and sell off some of my, you know, win now pieces and get a guy like Tatis. It's really, you know, if you want to think about it this way, you could you could look at 2017 as the year of of nepotism, really, because I mean you have 
Vlad, Vlad, Ju- Vlad yeah. Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., and Bo Bichette all in the top 20 right now. That's, I love it. It's kind of crazy. But they're not just getting by on, no. on that. They're, they're making a name for themselves. Pretty wild. Bichette, number 19. I, I got him and Steph. Staff one as well. I just people come knocking. I just felt like, man, I could probably get a ton if I ship these guys off, but I don't. I don't want to break up this young core. I really don't. But just glancing through, you know, I haven't really had much time to comb over these since uh, since you updated them this afternoon, obviously. But I do notice that Francisco Mejia now up at seventeen. Man, this guy offensively at that catcher position. Could be a big difference maker uh, pretty soon. I mean, is that double A already? OPS over 900. I know there were some defensive concerns coming into the year, but are you pretty confident now that he sticks behind the plate? Well, all we really care about is him catching enough to keep that eligibility. And I think that he does that at least, you know, for as long as. I'm not confident saying that he's going to be a catcher when he's 28, but I feel pretty confident saying he's going to catch enough to keep that eligibility through age 25, 26. Uh, It's, you know, he's hitting enough now and just age level, all that stuff where I think the bat actually is going to profile at DH or at, uh, you know, maybe left field, first base, something like that when he needs a day off or when they want to go with a better defensive option behind the dish. So that's that's kind of all part of the – I mean, it's it's all part of the package. It's all part of the calculus with Mejia, but I think that he does – I mean, the bat's just so special. He's a good enough – I mean, he's a really good thrower, uh, but I think he's good enough that, that he'll at least warrant starting behind the dish like 60, 70 games a year, kind of like Evan Gaddis. Another big riser that I'm noticing here, Keston Hira, your Brewers. I mean, I think after the draft, he checked in maybe in the 70 to 80 range. Don't know exactly, but now up at 25. Is that really due to his you know dominance so far in pro ball? Yeah, I think I started him right around 60. And I mean, since, since the draft, uh, he's... He's been the best hitter from that class by far. I mean, it's it's really nuts what he's doing, hitting over 420 at at rookie ball, which obviously not a surprise. He's a college hitter, goes straight to the Midwest League and really doesn't lose a step. He hasn't walked yet, but I mean, who cares? He's he's hitting 423, 615 slug in six games. I mean, I think that the, there's going to be a ton of hype around surrounding him this off season. And Royce Lewis, I mean, I think. I think dynasty league owners are going to have a really tough call to make at the top when, when you're making those, those draft picks. Cause Royce Lewis has been awesome as well. He's, he's 18, but he's already showing some power, three home runs at, at rookie ball, seven steals, uh, just, just as many walks as strikeouts, really hard to, to poke a hole in his game and probably a bit more fantasy upside, just given the speed. So I think dynasty league owners are going to have a really tough call between those two. A slight faller, but not a guy who's fallen, on your list as much as I've seen on other lists. In fact, he was left off the MLB top 100 until uh, Faria's pr- uh, official promotion, you know, from prospect status. Once he was promoted, then Hassan Diaz slotted in as the number 100 prospect on MLB Pipeline's top 100. But you still have Diaz at 38. He has endured some struggles this year, but uh, why are you still confident that he's going to make it as a you know impact fantasy guy? I just think he's been 
unlucky so far this year. I think he's just had a, a cold second half or cold first half. I think it, I mean, it happens in the big leagues, obviously. Uh, it happens in the minor leagues too. I mean, he's, I just think that this is a guy that I think over the final month of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if he got that batting average up to, you know, 250, something like that. Uh, you know, he's walking a ton, just, just a guy that I kind of believe in beyond the the numbers and I'm, I'm sure you know i have him at 38 i'm sure you could get him for a bit cheaper than that if if you wanted to ryan mountcastle we've talked about him somewhat on some recent podcasts but man big big riser from the preseason now up at number 60 uh not faring as well since his promotion to double a but man what a run at at single a to begin the year now shortstop long-term or is this bat going to play no matter where he's at? I don't know where he's going to play. I, I doubt it's going to be shortstop. I think it could be third base. Uh, I mean, I, I think it, it probably plays uh, no matter where he's at. I mean, in the, in the O's system, Austin Hayes actually is, is up at 37. He, he's, he started the year, I think on like right around 200, um, so both yeah. of those guys are just having having monster years climbing up, uh, which is not something I would have predicted if I was a Baltimore Orioles fan coming into the year. I mean, you you, were, you obviously had to be kind of down on on your system, and some guys haven't performed. I mean, Joe Reyes has been hurt. Uh, they they haven't gotten a ton from their their draft picks last year on on the pitching side. But yeah, I mean, Austin Hayes looks like a potential number two, number three hitter in a big league lineup, and he's going to get to play in that park in a, in a year or two. And and Mountcastle's not far behind him. Mountcastle's probably more of a maybe a number five, number six hitter. But um, I think he's you know twenty five homers maybe in that park. And if he's eligible at third base, I think that's you'll, you'll take that for sure. Yeah, that'd play it at third base for sure. Now, a guy who has fallen somewhat, not a ton, but maybe 20 spots roughly, if I'm not mistaken. Blake Rutherford, of course, headlined that package that brought Todd Frazier and others to New York. Why has he fallen? Is it really because of the absence of power so far this year? Yeah, I think that just given his age, I mean, he's 20, and most of the guys that are at at low A and have – big prospect profiles are 18 or 19 so as a 20 year old you'd like to see more production there so it's it's easy to see why the Yankees didn't view him as a as a deal breaker in that trade just hard to make a case for him ever really profiling in that outfield long term given their other pieces and you know I, I like that he's he's not really showing any issues with the approach but yeah, I mean the lack of power, man. It's it's tough to make a case for him being much higher than this. And I actually could, I, if you wanted to say that he should be outside the top seventy-five, I wouldn't even really argue with that. Yeah, just two homers and two hundred ninety-four bats, not what you want. Now, a confounding prospect, a guy that I was, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but I was skeptical of J.P. Crawford. I thought he was a fine player. I thought he'd be a good major league regular, but just for fantasy, I didn't wasn't sold because of, there wasn't you know standout power or speed. Now, are there real questions about the hit tool, and and if so, what do you kind of grade that out as as a future grade for that hit tool? Man, I I don't really have that many concerns 
still about the hit tool uh being at least like a 55 grade hit tool i think he i think he still hits like 275 to 280 uh but we knew all along that there wasn't going to be a ton of power speed to go with that. And I think coming into the year, I thought he'd be more of a 300, maybe even like a 310 hitter in his prime. So, you know, now you're looking at a, if you're looking at a 275, 280 type of guy with 10 homers, maybe 12, 15 steals, all of a sudden now you're looking at a guy that's more of a, a middle infield starter than a than a guy that you rank as a top 15 shortstop so that's that's kind of where it is for me I mean I I think that in OBP leagues he should maybe be a bit higher than than where he is here but uh because I mean he's still showing an amazing approach and Mm -hmm. I think he's gonna it wouldn't surprise me if if this was just a weird year for him and next year he kind of makes this ranking look look sort of stupid but I mean, it's, he's had, he's had a lot of time to kind of dig out of this, this hole and and he just hasn't been able to do it. Another middle infielder kind of having a season at the other end of the spectrum. He does get to play in the PCL. Willie Calhoun, I'm a little bit surprised to not see him higher here. Does have 23 homers, you know, 962 OPS. I kind of feel like, man, he, he may very well be on the move over the next week, but is it a situation where if, he were to be traded and he had a clear path he'd be higher or are there other concerns with Calhoun he would definitely be higher if I thought he had a path to everyday at bats I just there's there's really no way that you could even suggest that that's remotely the case as long as he's with the Dodgers they don't have the DH I mean he, he really needs to be in the AL because this guy really is just a, a DH who can masquerade at second base occasionally <laughs> And that seems weird to say about a five eight guy, but that's that's really that where it is with Calhoun. And he's got crazy, crazy raw power for a guy his size, especially against righties to the pull side. And if he was, you know, say he gets traded to a team like the White Sox or something, or you know, a team like the A's, then all of a sudden I could see a case for him being up in inside the top fifty, but right now i just he's he's completely blocked in terms of ever getting to the big leagues in a in more than just a bench role is i mean i don't think it'd be the, the exact same case but is that kind of similar thinking with a guy like cory ray is just you know um, he's a long ways off but he on that team it's like he's just been really bad I uh i mean that that's what it is with him i i think that you know, he put on a, a show in Futures Game BP, so it's, you know, the tools are still there. He's got 19 steals. Like, it's not that he wasn't as toolsy as we thought coming out of Louisville, but the the hit tool has really left a lot to be desired. You know, striking out over 30% of the time. He's at a age-appropriate level, 22 years old, high A. That's not a level that should be giving him a ton of trouble as a as number five pick overall coming out of college. So... It's hard to really. I've heard that he's had major issues catching up to premium velocity, and it's hmm. just and and he's also got issues laying off breaking stuff. And if you can't hit velocity and you have a hard time laying off uh, quality breaking stuff, then you're just not going to be uh, everyday big leaguer. So he's he's outside the top 100, 112 overall, 
wouldn't be surprised if this off season he's down even further than that unless he can turn things around here over the final month rowdy telez continues his tumble he's down at 121 lucas giolito 126 what about greg allen 133 i know he was near the top 50 to begin the season was it just that injury or are there other things you've seen and noticed with greg allen that have led to his fall well this is a this was a terrible a terrible year and and he's a, a bad prospect for to to lose this much developmental time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's twenty four. He's still at double A. You know, I, I like the the defense in center field. I like the speed potential, the leadoff hitter potential with him. But I mean, it's it's not not that often you see a guy who's twenty four at double A. I mean, it's it's only 130 at bats, but hitting just 231. It's not often that you see that type of prospect really bear fruit in mm-hmm. in a in a year or two. I mean, that it's just it's love tough. the approach, but yeah, you're right about the missed time. Like at this this year was like the worst possible year for him to lose time. I'd imagine. Right. I mean, yeah, like like a guy like Dustin Fowler for the Yankees, like he was so far ahead of the developmental schedule that him being out for the season with that, that knee injury, it's not as big of a, a big, you know, it's, it's not as big of a de- developmental hurdle for him just because he was so far ahead of schedule already made his MLB debut as a 22 year old. So he'll, he'll miss time. He'll come back next year. He'll still be younger than most of the guys at AAA. Uh, but with a guy like Greg Allen, like he, he needed to really kind of be pushing um, his way to AAA this summer. And, and that just hasn't happened. Johander Mendez, 143. I mean, he's got decent numbers. I'm not super high on him, nor are you, I mean, given this ranking. But any chance we see him later this year? Because if, if they trade Darvish, spot could open up, though he is still just at double A. I don't think so. I think the Rangers made it pretty clear coming into the year that they were going with a, a new organizational philosophy just with regard to, to pitching prospects and, and trying to be a lot less aggressive with promotions because they've had so many guys come up and just not bear fruit the way that people expected with Martin Perez, Chichi Gonzalez, you know, Mendez comes up last year, really struggles. So I think that they were committed to keeping him at double a all year. I think he'll, he'll start next season at triple a it's just, it's tough. Um, he's not missing bats the way we want to see a guy like that, uh, do at double a, I mean, he's a, athletic lefty with you know potential for two plus pitches you'd like to see him him strike it out at least a guy per inning and now he's sort of in that that dreaded mid-rotation starter uh hole that we we like to throw these guys in and that can often just end up meaning he's like a number five starter so Mm. not a guy that i'm super high on so you said you got through about 150 we've powered through uh, about to there on on your list here but anybody you want to mention or anything you want to shout out in particular before we move on um you know the i guess you know austin hayes was just a, a huge riser uh talked about him um i think it's there's kind of a, a fascinating run of of high upside pitchers sort of in that starting at mckenzie gore at 50 and then you have Hunter Green, 52, Adrian Morion, 53, AJ Puck, 55. Michael Baez at 56 is a 
Padres pitching prospect at low A. If you follow me on Twitter, you're obviously well aware of him, but uh, Cuban signee for the, the Padres, he really needs to go to the Cal League at this point. He's absolutely dominating Midwest League hitters. Has He's 6'8", but he, he commands uh, upper 90s fastball, has promising secondary offerings. I mean, he's been, I mean, he didn't even start the year on the top 400, and now he's inside the top 60 i mean that's just you know he's a he's a huge climber he's got front of the rotation upside all those pitchers kind of in that range i mean you can't really go wrong and then you know on the hitting side uh, michael chavis uh big riser esteban floriel uh, those guys 61 62 and then jorge mateo is a guy that i just can't figure out at all he he gets promoted to double a after kind of just treading water at high a and then all of a sudden at double a he's a completely different player he's not getting ridiculously lucky on balls in play he's still showing a ton of speed showing more power than i think most people expected i know trenton is a is a solid place to hit but that's still surprising so i ended up putting him back inside the top 70 now i fully expect him to have a month-long slump and make me regret that i've been hearing that there are a lot of teams in attendance to scout him in recent games he could be on the move uh shortly yeah he is a tough guy to figure out right now what can you tell me just while we you know you're we talking about uh michael baez before what can you tell me about the prospect the low level, low level prospect the padres got back in that ian kennedy brandon mauer deal yeah so everyone uh, asturi ruiz uh likely to play second base uh long term but everyone immediately starts making the Fernando Tatis Jr. comps with him because back it was a couple of years ago now I guess when they when the Padres traded James Shields to the White Sox Tatis was just sort of seen as this I think he he was 17 maybe at the time um I think he'd probably less than 50 professional games under his belt he was kind of seen as just this lottery ticket that the Padres were taking and in exchange for the White Sox taking that contract off their hand and turns out he's he's a absolute building block that teams would kill to have right now and everyone's trying to say that maybe Ruiz is the the next version of that uh you know it it it's hard to argue with the production this year um I think in in leagues where people are really aggressive about picking a guy up you probably have to add him this waiver period if you want him because I think you know people that didn't know about him before the trade now they're they're looking at those numbers and kind of salivating a little bit. I'd pump the brakes. Uh, I think that you know Matt Strom to me is still the headliner in that deal for for the Padres. I think that he's uh, a really intriguing weapon as a as a lefty with potential for three plus pitches. Maybe the command control isn't there and he ends up in the bullpen but he showed last year that he can be dominant there so i still think strom was the headliner uh by the time i'm done with the top 400 i, w- I would expect to have put Asturi ruiz inside of it i don't think he'll be in the top 200 though so he's going to be in that uh 200 to 400 range somewhere interesting interesting well thanks for that so you want to retire undefeated or are you trying to keep this heater going <laughs> i'd like to retire undefeated i think that this Give is you that option this or is, you could uh, say med rosario who well we so think yeah is coming up med rosario everyone kind of knows 
or, you know, the, the speculations definitely that he's coming up um, once they unload some guys. Does it count if I say Ahmed Rosario and Dom Smith are coming up? <laughs> Is that too easy? Cause, no, I mean, I mean, you I do whatever you want. I mean, I, Dom Smith is interesting. I hadn't really thought about him coming up, but it would make sense if they trade Duda. Yeah, I mean, Bruce. look, I'm going to – my prediction is that Rosario and Dominic Smith come up together uh, after the trade deadline, and Dominic Smith plays almost every day at first base with Rosario playing almost every day at shortstop. I just – you know, if you want to call me out and say that that's – not um, as legit as some previous uh, predictions. People, That's, would people actually do that? I don't know. But I, <laughs> I went through, I was trying to find like a good one. And I mean, that's really the best I could come up with. I mean, it just so many guys have gotten promoted recently. Uh, I think that's totally fair and totally. I'm still, still waiting on Chance totally Adams. Um, Chance I think, I think the Yankees, I don't know what they're waiting for really with him, but. Uh, I know that they're also in the mix for acquiring a starter uh, to take that fifth rotation spot. So maybe Chance Adams is a guy that gets moved at the deadline and jumps into somebody else's rotation. But I mean, he would be my my second pick. But I'll I'll just go with uh, the other two New York that area prospects. In Las Vegas, interesting. What about Honeywell? Because he's been on a nice roll lately. Eleven Ks in his last start. Rays pretty competitive. Do you think he gets a chance pretty soon? I do. Uh, it's it's kind of weird that it wasn't this upcoming turn because he actually lined up for that start that they're going to give to to Pruitt. Hmm. So that that is kind of weird to me. I, I think that maybe they just want to be extra cautious and instead of calling him up after three good starts, they want to call him up after five or six good starts. Uh, you know, I... I think he's I think he's up before the end of the season pitching in the big league rotation before the end of the season. I just I don't feel confident enough in it being in the next week to to make him this week's pick. Interesting, interesting. Well, all good things must come to an end eventually, yeah, but that, that'll come to come to an end this week. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not though. I mean, maybe this will just keep going through the end of the season. You never know. Eventually it'll end obviously, but I I mean, I'm impressed just with three in a row it's pretty crazy especially because you weren't just going with you know guys that were super obvious every time so i give you a lot of credit there but that'll do it for the prospect portion of the show let's get to these uh, album rankings here we got last week i had zeros let the truth be told as my number 10 you had raekwon's only built for cuban links spoiler that's higher on my list It'll be coming up eventually. But we're to <laughs> number nine. It's not. It's not uh, this week's for me. But number nine, I got pretty standard. I guess maybe you know you might have this higher, and you may have reasonable doubt higher. But I'm going to go with the blueprint by Jay because that's you know I remember getting that shortly after nine eleven. Actually, it came out on nine eleven. But I remember getting it, and it just kind of changed my world essentially it was just an album that kind of holds its own obviously but also just kind of marks a spot in time and still listen to that album and kind of get chills in certain songs the production is insane jay-z is at his height and on that album and you know makes me think i I need to listen to 444 have you heard that yet 
Yeah, I've listened to 444. I mean, it's... I refuse to get title. It's... Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, I, I I grabbed it illegally. I'm fine with that. I've, I've paid a lot of money for Jay-Z albums over the years. I'm, I'm totally fine with not paying for title. Uh, yeah, 444 is uh, it's a quality album. I'd give it like a... I'd say it's like a 50. Hmm. Um, I'd but, say the Blueprint's like a 75. I, I mean, I have, uh, spoiler alert, I have the blueprint higher on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd put an 80 on that. I, I think you you nailed it with just, you you definitely get chills with some of those songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, it's peak Just Blaze as a producer, as a producer. It's um, peak Kanye West as a producer. There's really no low points. On no, that. you've, I mean, you've just got just airtight production throughout that album. Uh, you know, he, it's, it's a famous album in the sense that it, uh, I think there's one guest appearance and it's Eminem and it's, uh, just a, a song where Eminem's verse murders Jay's mm-hmm. verse. You know, that's like, it's the perfect guest appearance to have on an album where it's like you carry like 13 of the 14 tracks or 12 of the 13 tracks. And then you let Eminem come on and, and carry a track. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. There's obviously that was amid the Nas Jay Z beef. So you got the, the, the beef track on there. Uh, I thought H to the Izzo was one of his better radio singles from that sort of early two thousands run of albums Mm -hmm. he had there where it's, it's not so corny that you can't play it, you know? Still like that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's I do it's, say though that Takeover is not as good as Ether. I know you're on the other side of that. I think I'm I'm mostly just really biased as a Jay Z backer. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to hard for me to take the other side there, but yeah. Uh I I mean I love the the sampling of the doors on that beat, so that, that yeah, plays that into awesome. it as well. Um I'm trying to think of what my favorite song is, and it's hard because there's so many that I just absolutely love. Like well, the rulers back might be my call, but I, I mean, heart of the city, even Ola Ovito is amazing. So, song cry is great. I mean, there's really not a bad song on this album. Yeah, Pretty I mean, good. yeah, no, I think you're you're dead on. I think I might have, I might have song cry as my number one. I I love um, the final song. That's kind of a three song final track. Uh, with I think it's Blueprint, Mama Loves Me. There's there's three tracks. It's like a twelve minute um, total stuff. track. I mean that that's really excellent stuff. I mean that that that's definitely one of the better album. There that was a rough stretch to, in my opinion of of hip hop albums. Kind of that two thousand to like two thousand four. I just didn't think there was really any classic stuff getting getting made in that in that run there so to me blueprints the the best album of that era and one of one of jay-z's best albums i think you can make a case that it's his best album yeah i i think it is i'm interested to see if you have multiple j albums on your top 10 i'm not gonna ask you for spoilers yet but blueprint holding steady i thought about bumping it up higher obviously but just too many good albums i thought as good as this is, it, it can't crack my top five, but this this really does, like last week's album, and all these albums, but they all hold a special spot in my heart. Who do you got at number nine? I have uh, 
an album that I know you mentioned in your kind of honorable mentions last week. I have Mob Deep's The Infamous. Nice, man. Uh, I do love that album. To me, it's it's right up there. You know, people, you know, when you're, when you're talking about like classic East Coast hip-hop albums, people might not mention it right away with with you know stuff from Nas, Jay-Z, Biggie, but to me it's it definitely belongs in that that discussion because I think it's by far Mob Deep's best album. Uh just, you know, ten ten or so just really, really high end tracks. Not a ton of guest appearances, but the ones that are on there, I mean Ghostface, Raekwon, Nas, really, really bringing High high quality verses to to some of those tracks, yeah, to say the least. Uh, you know, eye for an eye when it's Nas and Raekwon kind of going back and forth. I mean, that's that's really elite stuff. Uh, you know, great great opening track, start of your ending. Uh, really, just kind of all the way through. I think you know, for people that maybe haven't heard this album, Shook One's Part Two's on it. I mean, that's probably the the song that you would definitely recognize if you heard it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there are. Yeah, like I said, 10, 10 or 11 tracks that are I never skip when they come on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the, the beats just are all of the exact same making, you know, like it's it's Havoc. I uh, love that feel of those beats. Right. It, it's it's just total mid-90s East Coast, East Coast yeah. hip-hop. Like that's, that's what those beats definitely make me uh, – think of and it it all really flows together i think my favorite song might be up north trip but you can it's 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 tough to go wrong i mean there's i I was listening to it just before the show and yeah like i said you don't you don't really skip any of those songs so if you haven't heard uh the infamous mob deep i would strongly recommend checking it out that's do yourself a favor 1995 release so kind of came in uh, right around the same time as Ready to Die, Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt, right, right in that same kind of era. Yeah, I have a feeling not including that on my top ten is going to haunt me. Really tried to find a way, but it just wasn't wasn't happening. But you know that cover is kind of like a cover of the infamous, kind oh, of yeah. a low key like all time great cover. Oh, oh absolutely. Like, like that'd be. I couldn't pull it off because I'm like a short ginger guy, but. If I were to get a tattoo of a album cover, <laughs> that might be it. No, that's it's a it's a legendary album cover. It's the type of album cover where you you wish it you had it in like a, a huge poster or something mm-hmm. like that to hang on the wall. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Prodigy. Again, oh, absolutely. But thank you, Prodigy. I know you know that it's too late. But thank you for the the great music. It was so great. Uh, you know, you had. You know, from 95 to, like, 99, you had so many tracks that just had either Nas and Mob Deep or Ghost and Raekwon and Mob Deep. I mean, those guys all loved uh, collaborating together, mm-hmm. and it always always ended up being, being pretty classic material. Absolutely. Well, we'll continue on with number eight next week. A lot, of, lot to go, and I'm glad we're doing this because... Gives me stuff's a getting to revisit a lot of stuff. It's getting stuff's getting it's getting pretty real. We're getting <laughs> we're gonna get into that top eight. I mean, blueprint and the infamous at at nine. I mean, that means we got you know eight more a piece. That that's that's setting the bar pretty high. 
Yeah, feel free to chime in. Give us your thoughts. I'm at Clay W. Link James, of course, at Real J.R. Anderson. Let us know what you think of our picks, and let us know if you got your own top ten. I'd love to see some other top tens and maybe hear some stuff that I haven't heard. You know, I'd like to think I've heard everything that would be on a top ten, but you just never know. But thanks for listening, guys. We'll be with you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.